Well, hello, friend. Thank you so much for joining the listening audience today. Greatly appreciate your investment of time. I was just thinking, there's not a whole lot of point in me talking to this microphone right now if nobody was out there listening. Well, the fact that you are, that means a lot. Truly, truly it does. And I've got to continue a story that I began yesterday from my childhood. I hope you'll allow me to give a personal anecdote today. Let's jump right back into it. Hope you enjoy. I mentioned a faux pas, a mistake that I made when I was just a little boy. It'll all make sense as we begin again our story. My finger was bleeding profusely. Now, I won't be overdramatic or theatrical. There was no ringing in my ears. I didn't get lightheaded, and I really don't think that I was going to faint. To be honest, the pain wasn't even that astonishing. No, I was far more concerned about the retribution I would soon be facing because this situation was rapidly spiraling wildly out of control. You see, my father had explicitly told me in no uncertain terms, do not touch the knife. But the temptation was just too great. As I sat there in the back seat, riding with my father and another man from our church, I saw that razor blade, and not only had I disobeyed, but I was currently watching a red liquid that my first grade education indicated was pretty important to my future chances of survival, steadily seeping out of my damaged finger. I faced this question. Which was worse, losing all of my blood or letting my father know that I was currently bleeding all over the back of our family friend's car? My mental math told me that no matter how bad the discipline I soon would face was, At the rate this self-inflicted razor blade injury was siphoning off my blood, it might be wise to speak up soon. I told you I wouldn't exaggerate. In full transparency, I probably would have survived for at least a few more hours. Maybe. Regardless, more red spots were appearing on my little boy khaki pants and blood was now dripping off of my elbow. My six-year-old brain had come to grips, oh Lord save me, with the fact that the jig was up. Judgment day had arrived. Dad, I softly called. Dad... I tried again, but no response. He was too engrossed in a conversation with the other man in the driver's seat as we idled at a red light. I raised my voice. Excuse me, Dad? I was interrupting an adult conversation. Now realize, this particular offense was forbidden in the McCurry household unless it was an emergency. Something told me, that a multi-inch gash in my finger 
and a back seat that would soon require, I don't know, a blood spatter expert seemed to warrant that emergency label. So I reached up with my still unbloody other hand and tapped him on the shoulder. Excuse me, Dad? That finally got his attention. The attention that, honestly, I didn't really want, but was now convinced I needed, as the entire left thigh of my light brown pants was no longer a pleasant khaki color. He turned his head, did a double take, took in the entire scene, and then looked at me squarely in the eyes. You touched the knife, didn't you? The only acceptable answer at this point, unless I wanted to spin a fanciful lie that would only worsen the eventual punishment, was a sheepish, yes, sir. He told the driver to pull over into a gas station we were about to pass and reached down to his feet where a half-full paper towel roll was bouncing around and ripped off eight or ten sheets and handed them back as we pulled into the gas station. Within a few minutes, the bleeding had been staunched, pressure had been applied, and I had a wad of paper towels over the injury site. An important lesson was learned that day. You sarcastically, my listener, tilt your head back and chuckle as you say, No, really, you learned a lesson. Yes, okay, I agree. I very much agree. This was not my most intelligent moment. But I would like to look beyond the obvious to a deeper biblical theme that I truly, honestly believe applies to each and every one of us. You, me, everyone. Would you grab your Bible and join me in the book of James? In the New Testament. Before we dive into the scriptures today, may I bring a note to your attention, a notice? Almost every day, all of us interact with a cross-section of humanity. Every day, you will meet people I never will and vice versa. The critical question becomes, what impact, in light of eternity, will we make in all of these people's lives that we meet. A simple and historically provable impact that you can make, that I can make, that we can make, is to carry and use gospel tracts. For over 80 years, the Ministry of Bible Tracts Incorporated, or otherwise known as BTI, has provided small, high-quality pieces of literature called tracts, T-R-A-C-T-S, to Christians worldwide, just like you, and they've done it, we've done it, all for free. You may sound a little doubtful right now. Maybe you're tilting your head inquisitively. Do tracts still work? You might have heard about the impact they used to make and about people realizing their need for Christ in yesteryear, but the answer, resoundingly so, is yes, they are still very much effective. It's a great question, and I'm more than happy to answer it a little further. Not long ago, the board of directors of this very ministry 
asked me that same question. Do you believe in gospel tracts? Do you actually believe they are still effective? That was before I was even offered the position as uh, the executive director of Bible Tracks and the host of, of course, this very program, Bible Tract Echoes. I remember hearing that question for the first time. And honestly, I had an answer loaded and ready before the query was even completed. The answer is, as I mentioned, a resounding yes. We live in an increasingly digital age. People are allowing their social media personas to represent them to the world vicariously. Nothing feels authentic. Everything seems to be a show and people are stuck in the virtual with no real connections. Enter, my friend, the gospel tract. At BTI, we don't skimp on the quality of anything. The paper feels substantial. The designs are modern without being edgy and the artwork catches the attention When you coupled all of that with a Christian just like you that has a burden to reach lost souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ, extraordinary occurrences can happen. The physical and tactile sensation of being offered a tract cannot be replicated in the virtual world many live in. Passing out a gospel tract may be a seemingly insignificant act to some of our listeners today. But that act of showing you care could be the moment that makes all the difference in a lost person's life. Would you visit BibleTracksInc.org today and order a Bible tract like the one I'm holding right now in my hand titled, Have You Found Rest? People across the world, they're worn out. They're looking for rest, for peace. The only trustworthy source of spiritual rest can only be found in the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're looking for peace and seeking hope, visit BibleTracksInc.org. I asked you to turn in your Bibles to the book of James. I'll join you there now myself. Let's read this verse in James 3, verse number 5. Let's read it together. James 3, 5 Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. I've shared a personal anecdote illustrating the power one ostensibly unimportant razor blade can have to ruin a little boy's day. The application that we will make through this story, this verse, and many others over the remainder of this week can be summed up in a simple question. Are you a builder or a destroyer? Do you dedicate your life, either on purpose or by default, to construction or to destruction? We must give some context to this particular discussion. Begin turning to the book of Nehemiah. I have worked through verse-by-verse study of this particular book in the past on the Bible Tract Echoes radio program, and we're going to turn back to some familiar verses Find your place in Nehemiah and the fourth chapter. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, 
If a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. These angry, critical, and adversarial men named Sanballat and Tobiah wanted nothing more than to discourage the Israelites from the task at hand. To accomplish this task, they became proficient in destruction. They didn't use sledgehammers or dynamite. No, they made use of that most powerful of devices, the tongue. These men of Belial criticized the labor. They mocked the workmen. They made jokes and cast aspersions on these painstaking people of God. In short, they were destructive. This week, we're going to learn the biblical differences between the people who seek to build and those seeking to tear down. I genuinely believe some of what the Bible has to say may come as a surprise to you. Thank you so much for listening today. Have a great day for His glory. Join us tomorrow. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample packet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 188, Bloomington, Illinois, 61702. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.